Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the GynoBits podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Susie Weber, board-certified gynecologist and menopause specialist. On the GynoBits podcast, we'll cover women's health issues with a focus on menopause, bovovaginal conditions, and sexual health. If you are struggling with perimenopausal or menopausal symptoms and you're not getting the help that you would like from your gynecologist or physician and you don't know where to turn for information, you can contact me through my webpage, healthiermenopause.com, or email me at drweber at healthiermenopause.com to set up a one-on-one consultation so that we can discuss your concerns and make a menopause plan that is right for you. Hi friends, today I wanted to talk about the important topic of breast health. Women in the United States will be diagnosed with breast cancer to the tune of one out of every eight women over the course of their lifetime. This is calculated from the time we are born until the time that we die. Our risk of breast cancer increases as we age, as do most cancers. There are some things that we cannot change that will increase our risk of breast cancer, and that will be things like our family history, the fact that we will get older, and of course the fact that we were born with chromosomes 46XX. Certain things may protect us from developing a breast cancer, such as having children at a younger age, breastfeeding, But today I really wanted to talk about some modifiable risk factors and some general things that we can do to promote our breast health. After I talk about these, I'll talk in general about mammograms and breast density. Most breast cancers will be discovered on mammogram. However, if you are younger than 40, or in between mammograms, I think it's good to have a general breast awareness where you're familiar with what your normal breast tissue feels like so that in the event that a lump comes up or something else uh, develops, you may be able to detect this. Studies have shown that mammograms in general are going to be the most effective at detecting breast cancers and not physical examination. But again, I think it's good to have a breast awareness because there are certainly plenty of women that have found a lump in between their mammogram exams or have found a lump under the age of 40 and it led to the finding of a breast cancer. Just like keeping an eye out on other parts of your body to make sure that everything looks normal and you don't have any concerns. Second thing would be maintaining a healthy weight. And that is, of course, easier said than done and I'm not body shaming anybody or uh, trying to make anybody feel bad, but we know that carrying excess body fat around increases our risk of breast cancer as well as most other cancers, not to mention increases our risk of metabolic disorders like diabetes, high blood pressure. This is especially important as we move into perimenopause and menopause where hormonal factors age, loss of lean body mass are all going to contribute to the tendency to gain weight. Third thing we can do is increase our level of physical activity. This is never going to be bad for our health at all. But studies have shown a decreased risk of breast cancer with higher levels of physical activity. The general recommendation for physical activity per week is 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous exercise. So I think of this as something like running or 
fast biking, mountain biking, cross training, if you've got some cardio or some high intensity intervals thrown in there, or 150 to 300 minutes a week of moderate activity, which would be more like brisk walking, probably things like gardening, etc. But being less sedentary and being more active is going to be important. It also helps maintain your bone mass, your flexibility, and it's just really something we need to focus on as we age. Fourth is alcohol consumption. One alcoholic beverage a day for a woman is considered moderate intake. And one beverage would be defined as four ounces of wine, an ounce and a half of hard liquor, um, or 12 ounces of beer. According to the American Cancer Society website, one drink a day would increase a woman's chance of developing a breast cancer 7 to 10% over that of non-drinkers. So that doesn't mean that there's a 7 to 10% chance you're going to get a breast cancer. That basically means that your risk is going to be elevated over that of a non-drinker. If you're drinking two or more drinks a day as a woman, that's going to elevate that risk over baseline even further. And I'm not saying this to be preaching abstaining from alcohol. For those of you that know me, I definitely enjoy a martini or a gin and tonic. But what it means is that we have choices in our daily lives. We're adults. We can live our lives the way we want to. We can pick our poison. And, you know, I tell my my kids, I tell other people, you do you. You pick and choose what is important and enjoyable to you. And lastly, screening. Get your recommended screening. The recommendation is to get a yearly mammogram starting at 40. That's what most most organizations recommend. With a screening mammogram, what happens is you will get an x-ray done of your breast tissue where the breast is compressed in several different directions. And it can be a little bit uncomfortable as they are trying to flatten the breast tissue out as much as they can so that they can get a good view. And they're looking for architectural distortions, calcifications, and changes in the breast tissue. What the radiologist will do is compare your most recent mammogram to previous mammograms to try to detect or look for any changes in the breast tissue. If you are having your first mammogram, I like to warn women that you could get a call back from the radiologist to do more imaging and not to freak out. This is really common, especially when you're young, your breast tissue is dense. If it's your first mammogram, there's nothing to compare it to. So there is a good chance that you could be called back to do more imaging with a diagnostic mammogram and possibly an ultrasound. A couple side notes about doing your mammogram. One is they will ask you not to wear any deodorant or antiperspirant on the day of your examination. And that's because a lot of antiperspirants have aluminum in them, which is a metal, and that can show up and look like calcifications on your mammogram. Additionally, if you have a lot of breast tenderness during your menstrual cycle, you may want to time your exam to shortly after your period ends when the breast tissue is less likely to be tender and cystic. When you go for your mammogram, they will likely offer you the opportunity to do a 3D mammogram or what's also known as a mammogram with tomosynthesis. This is done in the same way as a regular mammogram, except they will do another view on the breast so that the image will look more 3D or three-dimensional and the radiologist can 
look at that exam and it may be a little bit more helpful for dense breast tissue and may reduce you getting a call back. Most insurances where I practice cover this, but what I've heard from breast centers is that there could be a slight upcharge and usually it's $40 or something in that ballpark. Obviously, I can't promise what it what it is at your location, but in general, this will be covered by insurance, otherwise a fairly small upcharge. Now, I mentioned breast density, and this is something important to consider. So we categorize women's breasts based on their density, and there are four categories. One category is a breast that looks entirely fatty. Breast cancers are going to show up easily on a mammogram in a woman with entirely fatty breasts. So getting just the basic two-dimensional, 2D regular mammogram is going to be a good study for you. The next category of breast density is something that we call scattered densities. This will be a breast that has mostly fat but some scattered bright areas in the breast tissue. A woman with this category of breast density will do well with a 3D mammogram. The next two categories are considered more dense breast tissue and unfortunately mammogram is not going to be as good at detecting breast cancers in women with more dense breast tissue. So there is always a chance that something could be missed on your examination. Most screening tests are not going to be 100%. So not every colonoscopy is going to find a polyp or a cancer. Not every pap smear is going to find an abnormality. So it is the same with mammograms. Not every mammogram is going to detect every single breast cancer. The third category of breast density is what we call heterogeneously dense breasts. And the fourth is extremely dense breast tissue. For women in these groups, you can do additional supplemental screening. And I'll have a discussion with my patient with dense breasts just to let her know, hey, your mammogram's not 100%, just so you know. We'll talk about whether she is a candidate for or wants to do supplemental breast screening with breast ultrasound. So your doctor, if you have dense breast tissue, can order a screening breast ultrasound, which is an examination where we use sound waves to ultrasound over both breasts to see if we can see anything else out of the ordinary. And this may find an additional cancer or two out of a thousand women a year. Now, if you've had your screening mammogram and you get notified that you need to come back for more imaging, like I said, don't freak out. Most of the time, the follow-up imaging is going to be reassuring, but it's very important to go back to do more dedicated imaging. And this imaging is called diagnostic imaging. So it will generally involve doing a more detailed mammogram that looks at a specific area in the breast. And a lot of times after the mammogram, you will also have a breast ultrasound, which is where a radiology technician will do an ultrasound with a handheld probe on your breast to look for anything in that area. At that visit, it's customary for the breast radiologist to come in. They may do another breast examination and they will also talk to you about the results of your examination. So you will know their recommendations before you leave that appointment. When you do your screening mammogram, generally that will be a situation where you come in, you do your examination, and then you will get a letter notifying you of results. There are some breast centers that do the cool thing if they have the breast radiologist there that day. Sometimes they'll offer to have it read while you're there, but that's not always going to be the case. 
Now I wanted to talk about a couple special scenarios. So the first one is figuring out what your lifetime risk of breast cancer is. And there is a model called the Tyrer Cusick calculator. It is a mathematical model or calculator where you can input your age, your height and weight, your family history, whether you had pregnancies, whether you breastfed, when you started your menstrual period, if you're taking menopausal hormones, and it will give you a generalized risk percentage of your chance of developing breast cancer. If your risk is calculated as 20% or higher based on your history and the information you've inputted. Uh, Plus now it also takes into account your breast density as well as a risk factor for breast cancer. If you're at or exceeding 20%, then you would be a candidate for additional imaging with a breast MRI every year. An MRI is a special type of examination that uses magnets and an intravenous contrast material called gadolinium to look for breast cancer. An MRI machine is a tube that you are placed in. So when you go to have a breast MRI, you'll be laying on your stomach in a special position and you will go through a large machine. It doesn't touch you, but for some women and when they're in this tube, they can get a little bit claustrophobic. But in general, it takes about 20 minutes. There's a lot of banging, a lot of clanging. They give you special headphones to listen to and they do the study with an IV and they give you IV contrast during the examination. We don't use breast MRIs for women at average risk of breast cancers and screening mammogram is the gold standard for screening, but if you have a problem that's been found on other breast imaging, an MRI may be ordered by the breast radiologist, or if you're a woman that's got a high lifetime risk of breast cancer, then a breast MRI would be offered as well. And generally, if you're doing these examinations for screening, we're staggering them every six months. So you'll have a mammogram, for example, in January, and then you would be trying to do your breast MRI around June or July so that you would be undergoing some type of breast cancer screening every six months. And this would be something you would want to discuss with your doctor or provider. Not all women want to do an MRI every year, but it would be a discussion to have with your physician to discuss what would be right for your healthcare. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is that if you are having a problem with your breast, you've got pain, you feel a lump, you have nipple discharge, this needs to be brought to the attention of your provider because a screening mammogram is not appropriate for looking at problems in the breast tissue. It's just a global screen of the breast tissue. If you have any of those problems, then you would need a diagnostic examination with diagnostic mammogram, ultrasound, maybe MRI. It just depends on what the problem is. So if you're having problems when it's time to do your screening mammogram, don't go do the screening mammogram. Talk to your provider and get the appropriate examination ordered. If you are a woman who has a strong family history of breast cancer, you have a first degree relative like a mother or a sister who has had breast cancer, you have members in your family that have had younger breast cancers at or before age 45, or you have breast cancers and pancreatic cancers and an ovarian cancer in your family, these can be indicators that there might be a genetic mutation in your family. When there's a genetic mutation, most of these mutations are going to increase your risk of breast cancer significantly. So for example, with something like a BRCA1 or 2, so BRCA1 or 2 mutation, this is going to increase your lifetime risk of breast cancer over 80%. 
It also can increase, depending on which mutation you have, your risk of other cancers such as ovarian cancer. So you should talk to your provider about whether you're a candidate for getting genetic screening. And I offer this screening in my office. I'll always look at a woman's family history and offer screening if I think she meets criteria. The other thing is for women that aren't sure whether they want to do screening or there are some subtleties in her family history, it's not a bad idea to go see a genetic counselor who can look at your family history, make a a pedigree, and try to determine whether you're a good candidate for genetic testing. And then when you have that genetic testing done, they can help interpret the results. So in general, when a woman comes in, I offer her a genetic screening. If we choose to do it in my office, I send it to a genetics lab. They'll call her and let her know whether it's covered by insurance, how much it would be out of pocket. And this is based on a questionnaire that she fills out about whether she's had any types of cancer, what types of cancers occurred in her family, and in which relatives, and at what age. And then based on that, they will determine eligibility for insurance coverage. And there are a lot more genetics labs these days, so the cost of testing has come down quite a bit. When I get the results back, which generally takes a couple of weeks, these tests take a little bit longer than just a cholesterol or something like that, When I get the results back, there's generally going to be one of three results. One is either it's a negative screen, there were no bad mutations found in the genes that we tested. It's positive, meaning that she may have a worrisome mutation, or it will come back with a variant of uncertain significance. And that's not a positive or a negative. It just means that in the specimen or in her genetic makeup, a mutation was found, but we don't have enough information to know whether it's bad or it's good. So in general, with more people getting tested and more data about specific protein changes, at some point, the lab could come back and say, hey, we've, we've gotten enough information about this specific mutation. It doesn't appear to be associated with anything. We're calling this negative. Or conversely, they may say, We've gotten more information, we've had more people tested, we now know that this mutation is associated with this problem and it's you now have a positive test. I've only had one patient who had a variant that was then later classified as negative and not worrisome. So unfortunately, I feel like most women with the test result of variant of uncertain significance, we may never figure out whether it's a good thing or a bad thing in her lifetime. But when you have that result, there's not enough data to recommend increasing your screening or doing anything prophylactic such as having a mastectomy. So if someone has a BRCA mutation, they know that they have a lifetime risk of breast cancer up to 80%. Doing a prophylactic mastectomy or removing the breast tissue to reduce your risk of breast cancer is an option for some of these women. Now, how old is too old to continue doing mammograms? And this is a tough question because women are living longer and longer. Sometimes we're living healthfully longer. Sometimes we're not healthy and we're living longer, which is unfortunate. But if I have a 78-year-old woman who is healthy, she's getting around, yeah, sure, I think it's reasonable to continue to do mammograms because if we found an early breast cancer in this woman, she could have that cancer removed with a breast lumpectomy and potentially go on to live another 10 years. So whether to continue screening really depends on what a woman would want 
to do if she were diagnosed with a cancer. So this is really an area of shared decision making between a woman and her doctor. Now, if a woman is really unhealthy, she has multiple medical problems, she can't stand up to do the mammogram, she can't care for herself on a daily basis, then it doesn't make sense to do a screening examination. It sounds like she would be likely to pass from other causes unrelated to an early breast cancer. But again, this would be looking at a woman on an individual basis and trying to decide what makes sense for her with regards to her health care. All right, friends, that's what I have for you this week. I hope I provided some information. If you have any follow-up questions or concerns, you know you can always reach me through my webpage at Dr. Weber at healthiermenopause.com. That's my email or on my webpage, healthiermenopause.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. If you have any topics you're interested in hearing about on the podcast, I would love to hear that as well. Thank you for joining me for today's GynoBits podcast. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share. Just a reminder that this is not medical advice and you should consult with your personal physician. Also, the opinions and views are mine only and do not reflect those of my employer. If you would like more information or to consult with me, please go to my webpage, healthiermenopause.com. You can also find me on Instagram at healthiermenopause and Facebook, menopausemd.com.